Hello there. I'm Colleen. I'm Anders. We're nerds who love science fiction and fantasy stories. So, of course, we love Star Wars. And if there's one thing the internet does not have enough of, it is nerds talking about Star Wars. So we journey to a galaxy far, far away to discuss what is new in the Star Wars canon and beyond. This is yet another Star Wars podcast. This week, we're taking a look at the next episode of the newest Disney Plus Star Wars show, Visions, with the Ninth Jedi. I love it. So good. (laughs) Let's just jump in right there. Anders, are you ready to find out if you're a Sith or a Jedi? I, I'm really not sure I want to know, but either way, it means I got a lightsaber. So sure. Fair. <laughs> very, very fair. <laughs> All right, everyone, jumping right in with our technical details. This short was produced by Production IG and has a runtime of 23 minutes. This is the longest episode yet. It actually started from two separate pitches, which were ultimately combined into one short film which I'm really glad they did. <laughs> yeah. I can't, I can't even imagine where they would have split this. Like, I would think it's like one, one story about like learning how to reforge the sabers and then another one with like the, the hunters maybe. That makes sense. That mm-hmm. makes sense. I like it combined. I think it adds a lot of flavor to the story, but we'll get Absolutely. to that in a minute. This was written and directed by Kenji Kamiyama. Fantastic job. So good. I'm very excited for anything that Kenji could give us. Uh, La Kara and La Jima, Margrave Juro and Ethan are voiced in the original Japanese by Shinatsu Akasaki, Shinichiro Miki, Tetsuo Kaneo, and Hiromi Mineta. In the English dub, they're voiced by Kimiko Glenn. She's from Orange is the New Black. I love her. Simo Liu, who is Shang-Chi hot. <laughs> Let's just get that <laughs> out there. <laughs> and that's the dad, everyone. So this is a hot dad alert. Andrew Kishino and Masaoka, who is from Heroes. He played Hero on Heroes. Yep. Adorable. I love them. <laughs> That's a good season one. Yeah, so good. <laughs> All right. Well, back to the Ninth Jedi. Uh, getting into the plot of the film. We start with a voiceover telling us how the Sith are determined to hunt down all the remaining Jedi, while a Margrave Juro has started mining for Kyber with the goal of reforging lightsabers and restoring the Jedi Order. Mm-hmm. Ethan, a young human, arrives at an orbiting station and plays Juro's message to those assembled, uh, who say they also received it and answered the call for the Jedi to come here. Mm-hmm. While the group's debating whether it's wise to openly try and restore the Jedi or if they need to kind of work from the shadows a little bit more, a steward droid appears and assures them that Juro will reveal himself soon enough. Mysterious. Yes. <laughs> Down on the planet, Kara and her droid are they're at play. They're just having a good time. Uh, they get to her father, Zima's Forge, where he is, in fact, making lightsabers at Juro's behest. Mm-hmm. Uh, he tells her he's actually developed a new technique that allows the blade's color to reflect the wielder's connection to the Force. When Kara holds one, it doesn't really have color. It's this, like, shadow mm-hmm. gray thing. Mm-hmm. Not quite a dark saber. No, very dark saber E though. I was like, hmm. Yeah, it- <laughs> It sounds weird to say it when you're talking about something like a black saber, but mm-hmm. it does not shine as bright as a dark saber does. Right. Not distinct. It's like a shadow. <laughs> yeah. So a starship lands nearby and two Jedi hunters come out of it looking for Zima. The forger sends Kara off with the sabers he's made so far and tries mm-hmm. to face down the hunters himself. Doesn't go so well. Mm-mm. Kara manages to get away on her bike, fighting off the pursuing hunter. She barters with a with a droid pilot to bring her to the orbiting station. I loved these guys. Oh my so god! 
he was on his break, guys. He yeah. <laughs> so she gets up to the station, gives the assembled Jedi the lightsabers, hoping that they will help her rescue her father. Mm-hmm. All the candidates pick up sabers, but while Ethan's turns blue, all the others turn red. These are we not are Jedi. Fast. They are Sith who have killed and replaced the other Jedi who Jiro had called for. Mm-hmm. The steward droid reveals that he is actually Margrave Jiro in disguise. And he, Kara, who now has a stronger connection with the Force and her bl- turns her blade green, mm-hmm. and Ethan take on these Sith. They are ultimately victorious, also succeeding in turning one of them, Homan, back towards the light. Mm-hmm. Duro invites Kara to join them as the ninth Jedi in their group and help restore the Jedi Order, and he will also help to free her father. The group departs into the galaxy for their next adventure. So cool. (laughs) Oh my god, I love this episode. (laughs) This was so, so well done. Yes. I love the updates to the lightsaber lord. The visuals of that asteroid station look so, so great. Mm-hmm. And the characters, everyone is just so well written. Yeah. Really uh, and everything about it is beautiful. The, the dialogue isn't overdone, but it still leaves you. I am so excited to see what could potentially be next for this. Just great, great job, guys. No notes. No notes. <laughs> Absolutely none. Fantastic. It's my favorite. I don't think it's going to be dethroned anytime soon. It was in the beginning, still is favorite best. I'm a sucker for epic fantasy and sci-fi tor- storytelling. Shocking since I'm doing this podcast. The <laughs> Ninth Jedi has everything I love about that genre. Visuals are stunning. The characters are all compelling. There's a female protagonist who gets to stand out and go on the hero's journey. Love it. Sign me up. I also really liked how connected the Sith characters were too. Like they actually thought about their villains. They're not just like, stock villains they actually have shit to do the sith are are allowed to have connections of course because they're not jedi but we haven't seen many who would actually be worried about their comrades like the sith kind of do their own thing they're not concerned with any other sith really these are like a different breed you can tell that they've kind of developed and matured as an order Mm -hmm. which is interesting to see in star wars like uh uh-oh if the bad guys are this like organized that could be bad. For yeah. The <laughs> also, really cool to see them as aliens. Mm-hmm. Considering mm-hmm. most of the ones we've seen are distinctly human. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Palpatine. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, before we move on, we're going to take a quick uh, break here to learn about some other podcasts from the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hey, it's Andrew Morgan, host of the Nomcast, the Netflix original movie podcast. Each week, we preview and review the biggest Netflix original movies with special guests from the film industry, the music industry, comedians, and of course, our fellow critics and podcasters. The Nomcast is available on nomcastpod.com or wherever you get your podcasts on the socials at nomcastpod and is a part of the Forgotten Entertainment family. Hi, I'm Shamar Griffith, codename Comic Shams. And I'm Andrew Tejada, codename Arate. I'm a Blurred with a love for artwork and comics and animation. And I'm a writer and Blurred with a love for pretty much the same things. We grew up together and spent most of our formative years watching and talking about DC superhero shows and content. In fact, we still do. Every episode, we will discuss a DC production, compare it to its original source material, and share our thoughts on the adaptation. We've enjoyed our conversations these past couple of decades, and we think you will too. This season, we'll put a shock to our system by covering Static Shock, the animated series, on... 
yet another DC animated podcast available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, everybody, we're back with our guiding questions for this episode. First, we're going to start out with the anime studio behind the magic. Production IG probably has the most prestigious pedigree out of all the anime studios who participated in this project. They were originally founded under a different name in 1987, so they've been around a really long time. They produce both films and TV series, and they're probably most famous for Ghost in the Shell, which is very, very famous. And the newer series, Haikyuu, considering Ghost in the Shell is like a sci-fi masterpiece and Haikyuu is about a high school volleyball team. (laughs) Let's just say the studio has a lot of range. They, they cover everything, everyone. They also join forces with Gainax to produce the Neon Genesis films, Death and Rebirth, and End of Evangelion. Hmm. So they're, they're like all over the anime world in Japan. Nice. All right, moving on to the Japanese cultural or other anime influences. Now, this short seems more of an ode to Disney and Star Wars in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the protagonist missing a parent, in particular, a mother. Yes. Mm-hmm. Is her remaining parent taken from her in a very dramatic fashion? Yep. Must she embrace her destiny and learn things about herself along the way to finding her kidnapped parent? You betcha. <laughs> Darn right. <laughs> this short has all the makings of being a slam dunk for Disney and production IG if they continue the story and the creator already has material waiting in the wings. So let's go. Green light. Yeah, everything. I was very <laughs> disappointed us- in, you guys, in you guys on Disney Plus Day. Um, for not saying, oh yeah, Vision season two is definitely coming. Right, yeah, so disappointed. Or like, oh, an Ninth Jedi movie or a TV series is coming. (laughs) (laughs) Let us do it. The creator is ready. (laughs) He knows his world back and forth. Like, let's do this. Um, there are a couple of anime tropes, like in this. There, there are, but they're kind of turned on their head, which I really enjoy. We open with a typical shonen character, Ethan. First of all, Ethan, that's an interesting Star Wars name. (laughs) Oh my gosh, what the hell, Ethan? All right. He's a young boy who is called to destiny. So shonen anime and manga are the most popular in Japan. Shonen means young boy. So this is like the age range that they're looking at is like 10 to 16. And it is the most consumed type of manga and anime in Japan and basically anywhere where people read or watch it. It's the hero's journey trope, the young man with a hidden power called to adventure, but Ethan is not our main character. He's not. Then there's Rodan. He is the Ikemen character. He's tall, handsome, seems to be the leader of these Jedi who've gathered to meet the Margrave. An Ikemen character is basically a handsome man who is charming and unattainable, another mainstay in anime and manga. Should we be following him? Like, is he who we're supposed to pay attention to? Absolutely not. <laughs> he's, he's actually our villain, which is another trope, which I love. Secret villain. Love it. Our true protagonist is Kara. Yay. She's a shoujo protagonist, which means young girl in Japanese. Manga and anime who's marketed as shoujo is usually more realistic and has a romance undertone because they're like, it's marketed to girls. So they like this kind of stuff. <laughs> but this instead is like, no, Kara's not here for that nonsense. She's not getting together with Ethan, or at least not yet. She's more adept than Ethan with a lightsaber. And she hasn't presumably practiced that much with it, but she's like, she's good already. She gets all the badass moments, the freaking chase scene on the ice and in the forest. Holy shit. (laughs) She's such a badass. She pulls all the attention to her when she's on screen. She's a lot like Leia and Ray. 
So I hope we get to see more of her and her adventures. We need oh, definitely. more we have to. strong lady Star Wars characters. I'm here mm-hmm. for it. All right, next up, we're going to talk about the droids. Droids are a massive presence in all Star Wars and all of these short films. Mm-hmm. So we only get a couple of droids here. Yeah. Um, one of them actually turns out to not be a droid. <laughs> or at least partially a droid. <laughs> yeah, it's partially. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> so let's start off with 9999. This guy's just adorable. Four Nines is just adorable. And he's just so happy to just ride along with Kara, help her train a little bit. He's just a little helper guy. He's so... So, so much fun adorable mm-hmm. and then we have the pilot droid these droids are union workers guys you do not mess with their downtime i love it <laughs> he's even drinking his oil like like it's tea it's just amazing <laughs> it's such a small it's such a small thing randomly in the middle but it's so yes. good and then when he's watching them all fight and he's like nice moves he's <laughs> just watching them presumably he goes with them when they all leave like they're taking this stride with them good all of it is good give us more of the pilot droid (laughs) next up uh let's talk some aliens we didn't really get that many if any aliens in our last episode with the village bride Mm-hmm. So it is nice to see a few here, and none of the species are ever really identified by name. Mm-hmm. Several of the Sith in the skies are not human. So we start off with Hanbei. He's short, similar to Yoda's height, maybe a little bit taller. Yeah. And I'm not sure if that's like a mustache or like some kind of like tentacle thing, part of his mouth coming out right. in front of his face. <laughs> cool looking guy. Mm-hmm. Then there's Nizo. She has blue skin and white hair. To me, she almost looked like she could have been a Pantoran. Yeah, that's what I thought, at least mm-hmm. that she was, or at least partially Pantoran. Yeah. Uh, next, we have Homan, who we mentioned earlier. He's some kind of, like, canine humanoid, maybe like a Lassa or a Wookiee, maybe a Mog. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> half man, half dog. I'm my own best friend. <laughs> and uh, we're really not sure what Togu is. No. Um, he's but he's got some like major armor life support suit. So he's some kind of species that he can't survive regular right. atmosphere. Oh my gosh, what if he's like the high republic Jedi guy who's like slime that has to stay in suit? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be here for that. I love it. Everyone read the High Republic series yeah. because you have a Jedi who is basically slime in a suit. <laughs> Okay, next we're moving on to our Star Wars connections and callbacks. While we don't have an opening crawl, this short takes on a Star Wars intro with a voiceover that we didn't see coming. Like, oh my God, what is cool? I would love, though, if it had been a scrolling thing. It, it was definitely written like one. Yes, that would have been very cool to see. Yeah. Uh, next, we have a summons or a warning sent throughout the entire galaxy, just like Obi-Wan does at the Jedi Temple in Revenge of the Sith. Mm-hmm. He modifies the recording to warn all Jedi to stay away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This time it's like, come to me, Jedi. <laughs> like, Margrave, who are you sending these to? <laughs> Being very open about it. Next, we have Jedi Hunters and the Inquisitors. These are very much like the Inquisitors that we have seen in Rebels. I mean, so much. I don't know specifically if they are Inquisitors because this seems to be pretty far in the future, like past the sequel trilogy. 
but they've definitely taken on aspects of that order. So mm-hmm. like they, they've got crib notes from freaking Palpatine and Vader, like, oh, this seems like a good idea. <laughs> Let's use the Inquisitors again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and one of them utters a very familiar line. The force, the force is strong with this child. So we're during a chase scene, very Vader Luke at the Death Star, which mm-hmm. means this Jedi hunter is also very strong with the Force. Yep. And Kara still beats him. Yep. She's awesome. We love her. Give her more. Then we have the Purple Saber, signifying that the character can be pulled towards the light and the dark. Homan's Saber turns purple. It's very hard to spot when you're initially watching because you're watching for Kara's Saber to turn. But then on a rewatch, I'm like, oh, there it goes. He's turning purple. This is the canon explanation for Mace Windu's saber being this color as well, even though Sam L just wanted a purple saber. <laughs> yeah, but then they had to come up with an explanation. <laughs> yeah, they had to be like, uh, why isn't it green or blue though? <laughs> it can't just be because Sam, because Mace Windu's a badass. I mean, yes, but they needed something else. Yeah. And I really like this idea that you could be pulled toward either side. Mm-hmm. Even though Homan like turns a little quickly, like this was a real quick turnaround. Yeah, it really was. I wondered if the Margrave, like, he called him by name, too. So it's like, do you know him? Like, do you, They have to have history. history here? Mm-hmm. More, hopefully, in the sequel. Yes. <laughs> Next up, we have the concept of saber color changes. So while main canon lightsabers don't just, like, change on a whim based on who's holding it, I did, I missed it the first time I watched it that he explained that, that this is, in fact, a new technique. So this is the development sometime in the far future. Mm-hmm. Uh, there have been a couple examples of canon, namely Anakin and Ahsoka, who have successfully changed a lightsaber's color. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Anakin fiddled with, with Ahsoka's, Ahsoka's. freaking kyber crystals until they changed color. <laughs> Bad Anakin, stop it. All right, next we have the saber blade length changes. Kanan tells Ezra in Rebels that the blade can be modified to match the height of the wielder. And Kara's father included this option in his sabers as well which is very cool like Jima knows what he's doing he is really good yeah. at making lightsabers and they are stunning because a lot of sabers that we've seen aren't super ornate they're pretty utilitarian these ones are all beautiful like he took a lot of time to make these all right well now we are going to move into our power rankings and Colleen this one might not take <laughs> us that long it sounds like <laughs> so every week we add this to the list and see where does it fall in our power rankings so Colleen your number one is currently the village bride. Mm-hmm. Does this go above or below the village bride? Above. <laughs> All right. So taking your number one spot is the ninth Jedi. And my number one is currently the duel. And yeah, this goes above the duel. Mm-hmm. It's 100%. <laughs> that was easy. <laughs> yes. So right now your list says ninth Jedi, village bride, the duel, Tatooine Rhapsody, the twins. I have Ninth Jedi, The Duel, Tatooine Rhapsody, Village Bride, The Twins. All right. It's going to be interesting next time (laughs) with (laughs) Toby. (laughs) Oh, Toby. I love Toby. Very sweet, Toby. Okay. Next, we're going to head into our recommendation section. I've got two today. Uh, You want epic storytelling with a female protagonist, try Escaflone. It's a shorter series, only 26 episodes, so it's really easy to get through. The story centers around a high school girl named Hitomi, who's pulled into a fantasy world because of course she is. She meets all kinds of characters. There are scheming princesses, knights who have fallen out of favor, very complex villains, 
and a race of fallen rulers with massive angel wings. It's very, anytime those are revealed, it's really cool in the show. Uh, this packs a lot of narrative into the short series and Hajomi actually gets to do things, which is great. A lot of times, even in shonen stuff, the protagonist doesn't seem very active in their own show. <laughs> but in this one, she's actually doing stuff. Like it's not a passive narrator. This is actually a girl who gets to do stuff. And then if you're ready for more of a commitment, which Anders was not. <laughs> I was not. Please, please try Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood. This is our friend Sarah's favorite anime and for very good reason. The plot centers around two brothers who are very gifted in alchemy, which in their world is a mix of science and magic. After a horrific accident leaves them both very mutilated, at least in some way, the brothers go on a quest to find the Philosopher's Stone. They're kind of hoping to regain their original bodies. And yeah, this is all they want to do. Everything that they're doing in this show is to try and get their original bodies back. The series does an excellent job balancing action, humor, angst, and a whole lot of tragedy. <laughs> oh my God, I was not prepared. I dare you not to fall in love with Edward and Alphonse. They're so cute. They're the brothers at the center of the narrative and they love each other so much. It's really a show about family and being there for each other. And Edward and Al are just so cute. <laughs> Cannot recommend that series enough. All right. So... This was a difficult one for me to come up with a good recommendation for. Mm -hmm. uh, I was thinking about it and, you know, this short has a lot of really excellent fantasy elements. Um, it's got ancient warriors determined to help bring justice, mm -hmm. some great sword fights. So actually, I'm going to recommend that you guys read Warbreaker by Brandon Sanderson. Brandon Sanderson. Uh, he's probably more well known for writing the Mistborn series and the Stormlight Archive, which mm -hmm. are very, very good. I would recommend you check those out as well, but they can be a little bit more daunting. They're a lot thicker. <laughs> like the Stormlight Archive books are are long. Yeah. This one is a, Warbreaker is a lot shorter and it's a standalone pretty much. So it's not as not as big of a not as big of an intimidation factor there. There you go. Mm -hmm. All right, guys, that's gonna wrap it up. Thank you for joining us today and come with us next time as we continue our visions journey with T zero B one. Toby, Toby one. <laughs> Toby, Toby Wan Kenobi. <laughs> yes. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at YSWPod. Follow us wherever you're getting your podcasts. Check out all the offerings in the Forgotten Entertainment family over at ForgottenEntertainment.com. You can also find Colleen and I on Bohemian Geek Studies, where I think about now when this comes out, we are going to be right finishing up Rebels. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh. Such a great finale. Can't wait for that one. You can also find Colleen's Star Wars book reviews on bohemiangeekstudies.com. Mm -hmm. Until next time, bye everybody. Bye everyone.